Today's Tech Byte podcast, sponsored by VMware, dives into VMware's vSphere Plus. vSphere Plus lets you operate your on-prem workloads and infrastructure as if they were a public cloud. It supports VMs and Kubernetes and provides admins, developers, and add-on services delivered via SaaS. Our guest to walk us through vSphere Plus is Juan Orlandini. He is Chief Architect of Insight Enterprises, a solutions integrator. Uh, Juan, welcome to the podcast. So just give us some brief insight on how Insight Enterprises helps companies grapple with multi-cloud use, including that on-prem and public cloud mix. So Insight is a global solutions provider. Uh, we have about 15,000 teammates worldwide, and we have big presences here, both in EMEA, APAC, and in North America. So what we bring to the table is a rather unique combination of capabilities. A large portion of our team is dedicated to architecting and designing and building modern infrastructure. And modern infrastructure for us includes everything from the hardware, so the compute, storage, networking, security elements, data protection, all that kind mm -hmm. of good stuff. But also the layers that sit above that, which could be your automation platforms, your uh, Kubernetes management platforms, your uh, any of that infrastructure that is consumed by a developer or by systems, right? So those are all modern platforms. So we have a bunch of us that do that. And then we have all, uh, another bunch of us that are actual true developers and can help teams navigate through the journey to DevOps or accelerating their DevOps uh, practices as they are and even write applications for them, so modern applications. Uh, the uniqueness of that is that we don't have any competitor of ours that is at scale, all right? That's important. Uh -huh. uh, we do this globally, all right, uh, that has both of those capabilities in-house. Okay. All right, so let's then pivot to vSphere Plus. Based on my reading, it sounds like we're talking about a blend of private and public cloud elements in here. So vSphere Plus, yeah. So, you know, a good way to think about it, vSphere Plus is a master of masters, right? So right. Imagine, <laughs> imagine that each one of your vSphere instances that you have today, regardless if it's one data center, multiple data centers, or even if you're running it in the cloud, they live independent of each other. You might be able to do things like SRM, so disaster recovery between the two of them, but they live independent of each other. Mm -hmm. So you have to manage them. It's really difficult. It can be very uh, challenging to scale some of the operations because you have to repeat similar patterns across multiple locations. And then you get drift because of that. Well, this location yeah. is going to change and all that other stuff, right? So vSphere Plus, one of the great benefits that it brings to you is that it can manage all of that stuff from a single location. So, so it's a bit like when you've got two data centers, you've got an active backup and you always find the backups never quite the same configuration as the original one. Some things are just a little bit different. And of course, at two o'clock in the morning in the middle of a crisis, you find out. And to some extent, this helps you stop that. It helps you to see the whole estate as one, whether it's two data centers on an active, active, active standby. And when you start moving VMs into the cloud, you can see them all from one management tool. Well, it's, absolutely. That's definitely one of the things it can do. But it's actually a little bit better than that because uh, you can start by being proactive in your definition of uh, policy mm. and push it down to any number of locations. So you define it in one place and push it down to the other and then monitor that state from the highest level at the very top, right? Mm. The other aspect to it is mm. that it also comes with a change in how you finance your operations. So there's been an increasing demand from our clients to switch over to an OPEX model an op, uh, where you're not buying stuff. Uh, you, you're, you're using an operational expense model to fund mm -hmm. uh, 
the stuff, right? And the benefit for an OPEX model is that as the economy goes into kind of turbulent times that we're foreseeing here, it lets you navigate that and navigate where you're spending your money and dial back or dial up whatever you're needing. So if you need to dial down over here, you haven't mm-hmm. bought it. So you just not pay as much and right. you're good, okay. right? <laughs> and if you are using it, you pay a little bit more, but that's okay. Well, you're, at least you haven't wasted the money that you didn't have, right? So, so I that, would assume that VSV Plus helps with the licensing as well because tracking your licenses can get very comp very difficult. Like when you're doing using consumption-based licensing or OPEX model, you've got to trap what are you using so that you can pay for it. And you also happen to validate it to justify the payment. So vSphere Plus comes with licensing monitoring. So vSphere before vSphere Plus already had that. Uh, and you monitored how many, uh, because they actually had enforced rules, right? Uh, you licensed so many CPUs or so many whatever yard, uh, yardsticks of measure that were being utilized. Mm-hmm. Um, now that same kind of tooling is actually being utilized to say, hey, you are consuming this much, so we're going to charge you this much. Or you've only consumed this little, so we're only going to charge you this little. So same tooling being reflected in a different consumption or a financial model. Okay. Do a number of these assessments for our clients, whether it's on the vSphere environment or in the public cloud environment. And sometimes even uh, the partner helps us fund these where we go and help a client manage their spend, right? And you would imagine it's like, why would one of these uh, partners actually pay us to help a client spend less uh, and buy less of their stuff? Well, it turns out that if I can uh, get their finances to be more aligned to the business value that they get, then they will actually increase the consumption of that because they're seeing the value of that spend. All right. So um, this is a mechanism to help us do that. And and if clients are um, very methodical and we can help with this, right, and figuring out how to do the financial operational side of the stuff, Uh maybe spend less, but more effectively. And over time, you might end up buying more, but you're getting more value out of it. And that's a neat way to think about it. Right. Yeah, sure. So, you know, all of the talk in the tech industry is about moving to public cloud. Public cloud is where everything is happening. But the fact that vSphere Plus exists uh, tells me that there's still an appetite for running workloads on-prem. What are you hearing from customers about the value proposition for on-prem when cloud is so readily available? Uh, Oh, man, that's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I'm here. (laughs) So public cloud is an amazing thing. All right. But not all workloads are ready for the public cloud and they might not be ready because they're legacy and architected for something that needs to run on premises and might not be ready because there is a financial difference of operating something in the public cloud versus on premises. And we can explore that here in a second or might not need the innovation that the public cloud brings. So think about the public cloud as being this. amazing set of tools that help you innovate and digitally transform and create new products and services faster than we've ever been able to do. That's why they have any one of the large scale public providers has uh, 2,000, 3,000 different services that they offer everything from databases to machine vision Uh to security tools to you you name it. They have lots of services, right? And they are principally designed so that developers can very quickly through a very uh, uh, easy to consume set of APIs, go and build the next thing or add functionality to the thing that you already have. On-premises, they're doing something like that on-premises, 
is a little bit harder because you're competing against an organization built of uh, uh, tens of thousands of PhDs versus your organization that probably doesn't have tens of thousands of PhDs, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's just the way it is, right? So what you look for is for partner organizations that bring some of those capabilities on premises. Uh, the challenge with that, though, is that the rate of change is very, very high in the public cloud because of those tens, tens of thousands of PhDs. On-premises, here's a good analogy that you're probably going to like. When something first comes out, it's a box. And then you attach a bunch of PhDs next to it, right, to manage that box. And then over time, the vendors figure out how to pack the PhDs into the box. And you can maybe (laughs) stop using as many PhDs yourself because the box comes with PhDs. All right. <laughs> the public cloud is a box with a bunch of PhDs, right? And they sometimes, charge- <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. I also think of the the public cloud as a very immature platform, and uh, often it's not ready for the prime time, and things are released very very early, and they're often not fit for consumption, and that's why it needs so many. So there's two sides to that coin, but like, I take your point, right? Uh, yeah, and absolutely there is, and but you know what? That's yeah. true of on premises. Uh, products as well, right? Some yeah. of the, one of the values that we do is we have a, uh, a, a very large uh, set of labs. Uh, we call them research and innovation hubs <laughs> where we bring in the products from our partners and they tell us, hey, we just made the coolest thing ever. And then we find out what they really made. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it really is the coolest thing ever. Sometimes it's barely immature. It needs a little bit more time in the oven and that's okay, yeah. right? Yeah. And that, that's fine, right? Public cloud is no different. It just happens to run the compute somewhere else all right so what vSphere is doing though what vmware is really doing is bringing you some of the tried proven stuff that's the box with a phd baked into it into a model where you can run that on premises or in the public cloud or have an and statement where you're running it both in the public cloud and on premises at the same time and i can imagine there are use cases where i would want because of reasons like data sovereignty or the need for low latency or some other use case that actually need to have it in a private data center or some kind of edge uh, location. Yeah, that's part of it. The other one, too, is uh, back to that point of the workloads might not be ready for the public cloud. You might just want to be able to run it in a public cloud, but in a way that's very similar to how you ran it on premises Mm -hmm. or even have portability between the two because of DR as an option, or maybe uh, you want to have replication or whatever it is. So having an and statement is where it's really the most powerful. It's a data center and the public cloud and the edge, right? So if I'm already a VMware vSphere shop, what's the incentive for me to go to vSphere plus? Why would I need it? It becomes more and more appealing as your organization starts moving to an OPEX model, right? If your CFO is, say, buy buy everything on an OPEX model, do it now, you're probably (laughs) going to want to go do that now. And we actually, a lot of organizations are doing that, right? Uh Yep. The other thing that's going to make it very appealing is if uh, you run multiple locations, whether they're edge, multiple data centers, multiple cloud instances or whatever, and they run as independent, of vSphere instances, having this single manager of managers thing, uh, that that really helps you at, at least start with the visibility portion of it, where you can start seeing, hey, what am I doing across my estate, whether it's a global or regional or whatever it is, and then start managing things a little bit better. 
But and then from there, you can start taking advantage of some additional capabilities of vSphere 8 or uh, that just got announced uh, recently, right? They're, they're adding additional functionality uh, using the same analogy, making more PhDs into the box, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of those PhDs know Kubernetes, presumably. <laughs> well, I'm still saying and those PhDs are there to keep it running and so it doesn't fall down flat. But yeah, go on. Yeah, let's, let's, let's. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, it, it's actually part of the PhDs yeah. that they did add to it is through the Tanzu thing. Right. Uh, yeah. Thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Is now <laughs> you can run both virtual machines and containers, containers uh, yeah. side by side. All right. And, and, and that's a huge Tanzu. value, actually. We should have mentioned Tanzu because that's a big part about, in fact, the vSphere 8 announcement and its support for DPUs and then microservices and the Tanzu integrations get a lot tighter there. So having your vSphere uh, infrastructure much more unified makes it more practical or more likely that you'll have a successful Tanzu deployment if you're going that way for containers. Yeah, that's exactly right. You mm-hmm. know, so I do a lot of client briefings and client uh, engagements where I'm talking to a lot of the leadership in, in our client organizations. And I'm starting to see the emergence of uh, a way of operating infrastructure that is uh, built on some of the concepts that come from CNCF, uh, the mm-hmm. Cloud Native uh, Computing Foundation. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of a evolution of what we are actually kind of already seen from some of the big uh, uh, big innovators in the industry. So people like Starbucks and Git Labs and mm. some people like that. What they built was a, either a platform engineering team or some others call it an internal development platform, those kinds of things, where you have a set of, of your smart people that are spending their time building a platform or set of services that your developers can then consume. Uh, and the way you expose that to them is through an explicit API boundary <laughs> where you say to the developer, hey, if you want to build a new app, you knock yourself out. Here's the APIs that are available to you. Right. And then the platform engineering team or the internal development platform team or whatever that team calls it can then build the infrastructure underneath it, whether it's containerized infrastructure, virtualized infrastructure, compute from Dell, Cisco, HP, Lenovo, it doesn't matter. Right. Uh, they all bring some unique value. Uh, but to the developer, that gets abstracted away from them because that's sausage making. They don't need to worry about mm. platform engineering team can worry about that stuff. And this is a consistent trend right across the industry right now is reducing the operational load. That's right. And the, for, for a very wide definition, the complexity, moving tasks away from your level three to your level two, down to your first line help desk, giving them automations to go, is it working? Is this, you know, that sort of stuff. And this unified tool really, for me, is much more about reducing the day to load, reducing the day-to-day load on how much complexity it is just to sustain this stuff every day. So what you have to have is some flexibility in your framework that you operate under to acknowledge that the technical debt's going to happen. We just need to figure out how to minimize its impact down the road. Which ties us back to VMware having that support for VMs and for Kubernetes, seeing as containers seems to be, or whatever, yeah, comes down the road. Right, exactly. All right. Well, that does wrap up the time we have. Uh, Thank you, Juan, for joining us. And thanks to VMware for being a sponsor. You can find this and many more fine, free technical podcasts along with our community blog at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at packetpushers. Find us on LinkedIn, like us on Facebook, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.